Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's Baking a Mystery, Baking a Murder. Bada bing, bada bam. Bada bing, bada bam. Bada boom. <gasps> bada bam. Duh. That was the intro. We've been doing that. Bada bing, bada bam. Bam. I'm your host, Stephanie Sue. If you guys are listening to the visuals of this, wherever you- Listening to the visuals. Oh, shoot. If you guys are listening to the audio, wherever you get your podcasts, we are actually going to be making, you know those Korean potato twists? They're on a stick and the potatoes are oh, layered yeah. and they kind of look like a torn that's what we're gonna be making. If you guys are watching the visuals here on YouTube, welcome. I look incredibly pale today. I don't know what's going on. I think I need more bronzer. We are talking about, this is the Korean counterpart. Have you guys watched the movie Human Centipede? The American oh. one, where um, the whole plot, the whole basis of this movie is this guy kidnaps people and sews everybody's mouth to somebody else's anus, creating this very long centipede. You're essentially attached to another oh. person. You may wonder, how does one eat? Well, the head of the centipede gets fresh food, then they uh, digest the food, and remember what I said, how they're attached, the second person gets the digested food, and so on and so <laughs> forth, until the last person poops it all out. I think that this is, um, wow, we have some artists in the house, okay? I don't know who wrote that, but they need to be put in prison. This is the Korean counterpart of it. Imagine this, you can make the perfect human. What if you could? Imagine you could gather people. You love somebody's legs. Like, you know how we go on Instagram and we mm -hmm. see a girl with long legs and we say, oh, I wish I had her legs. And then you see another girl and you're like, oh, I wish I had her hair. <laughs> well, what if there was someone who wanted to create the perfect girl? And so they chose out each perfect body part, severed it, and made an angel. That's with, what they call it. With a lot of it. stitches. An angel, the perfect human. Well, let's just jump right into the story, shall we? It all centers around a woman by the name of Ellen. Ellen has got this beautiful family, okay? Like, when you know a movie starts like this, somebody's gonna die. Come on, let's be real. Ellen's got this wonderful husband by the name of Sam. This is a Korean movie, so obviously these are not the names used in the movie. He's, she's got this wonderful husband named Sam. They've got a beautiful daughter together named Gwen. This is like the stuff that they do on their off time. Ellen will be in the backyard painting signs, hand painting signs that say, Gwen, Sam, and Ellen's house, heart. Are you kidding me? Uh -huh. Gwen's out there with her mom playing jump rope. Like, come on, somebody's gonna die. It's too peaceful. Ellen even has this amazing job as like a production assistant. You see her setting up these very elaborate dominoes. There's a film crew. Why are you eating a banana? <laughs> There's a film crew filming the whole thing. There's, you know, all of these assistants making sure the dominoes are perfectly in place and then they topple it and you get the most satisfying B-roll. So she's got a great job, a great family. What could possibly go wrong? And in the same part of town, because you never know who really lives in your town, right? Mm -hmm. In the same part of town, there's a very creepy guy by the mm -hmm. name of John. How do they let you know that he's creepy? Because he wears a baseball cap, his face is in the shadows, he wears a hoodie, and he listens to, oh God forbid, rock music. Yep. The creepiest of all creeps, uh-huh. Definitely. I say very sarcastically, but I don't know, Dan Dan seems to mean it. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> okay? Very creepily just lurking in the shadows. He's walking into these alleyways and he approaches a sex worker. Let's call her Celine. Mm -hmm. So Celine, she's got this really cute hair. It's like brown. Listen, I'm obsessed with hair these days. I need to try new hairstyles. She's got this cute hair. It's like this brown bob that flares out and it just frames her face just so cute. And she says, are you Mr. Mini Piece? 
It seems like that's his alias online. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, well, I expect payment up first. They agree on a deal. They walk to the local grocery store. And I guess, you know, before they go do it, they're going to get some snacks. So John's over there picking out ramen. Celine's trying to buy cigarettes. And she's putting it down. And the attendant is like, dude, these are for you? No, these are for my uncle. Besides, I'm not even underage, and she's kind of getting ex- upset about this. It seems like maybe Celine, in fact, is underage. Mm-hmm. So she's like, come on, just it's not even for me, dude. Just sell it to me like it's for my uncle. He's over there. I'll grab him. John, like mini piece uncle. So she's pretending that this is the uncle. Mm-hmm. And uh, he walks on over, and that is when Celine makes eye contact with Gwen. Remember the happy little girl of the happy family? And it seems like Celine has recognized Gwen from piano classes. So this girl is probably underage, right? So she walks over to Gwen, and this is not how she normally looks. You know, Celine is dressed like a kid, but today she's in heels. She's wearing a very short dress. You know, I mean, it's kind of implied that she's looking like a sex worker. I don't even know what that means, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's implied that she's got a weird life going on. Mm-hmm. And so she approaches Gwen and straight up tells her, you tell anyone that you saw me outside of class and I'll f- can kill you i'm just like wondering when yes. uh you guys will start oh yeah cooking. yeah that's what i was yeah, okay <laughs> I, mean, I love the story don't get me wrong yes but i'm like hmm oh should i cut it it's okay that was dumb. Mean, why did you do that <laughs> so the whole idea is to put the potato onto the chopsticks yes or on the side like this uh-huh, uh-huh. and just cut into it yeah do you know how have, to cut have. it no. so the first side you gotta do uh, just copy Dan vertically. I'm copying Dan Dick? Yeah, <laughs> trust. I trust. follow Dan. Today is the bruh, day these, you trust these, me. These. Yeah. Bruh, bruh, bruh. Are you sure I should be copying Dan <gasps> Dick? Do okay. what Stephanie's doing. Bruh. Yeah, like a, like a potato chip, right? Yeah, you nice. see that? So Ellen's there. She doesn't actually see Celine threaten her own child, but she does end up getting in line with Gwen behind Celine and John, who, by the way, are acting like they don't know. Uh, Gwen at all Mm -hmm. and the only thing that she notices is that the people in front of her John makes a whole big ordeal about how he only pays in cash which is kind of weird right so she notices this Ellen is like okay that's a weird guy and he also does this thing where and I'm not gonna copy it because you guys are gonna die laughing in this podcast and you're never gonna think that this is a serious movie but he likes to go "Mm," before he talks like Mm, like he likes to kind of think and dwell. He goes, mm, I didn't think so. Like, mm. Are you toxic? Like, no matter, so? like, no, no matter what he's responding, even if it's his name, something he doesn't need to think about, he's like, mm, John. Does that make sense? But yeah. it's done very creepy. I mean, maybe some might see it as charisma, but it's, it's a little interesting. So mm-hmm. Ellen notices this and uh, they separate from the grocery store. That's pretty much it for that scene. John takes Celine back to his place. They, uh, it's assumed that they do the do and he eats the ramen that he bought at the grocery store while he's browsing online mm-hmm. for new sex workers. And he has a very interesting preference. Like he's emailing all of these different girls and he just keeps saying how tall are you i need to know how tall you are and the girls are like why does that matter are you gonna pay me or not and he says you have to be at least five seven if you're not five seven i'm not gonna talk to you but if you are five seven i'll pay you extra so it kind of throws off all of these girls who are like wow this guy's kind of weird and i don't know how to feel about it so mm-hmm. maybe i'm just not gonna talk to him he logs off his mini piece he lowers his laptop screen and that's when you see that there's this giant surgical table in front of him and Celine is tied up, she's restrained, she's got a um, 
like rolled up dollar bills to look like a cigarette inside her mouth. It's almost like she's posed artistically. Oh and he、God. walks over and he picks up these papers. These papers are sketches, sketches of the human body, and it's specifically looking at、um, the place between her knee and her ankle, sort of like her calf. And、uh, he's looking at the papers of the calf, and he slowly starts drawing and marker on her calf, and he grabs a saw. So you're like, okay, Celine's dead, and he's gonna dismember the body. But the minute that that saw hits her skin, she wakes up screaming in terror. So he puts the saw down, and he walks over to her head, and he starts putting his hands around her neck and starts choking her. And he tells her, a woman is most beautiful. And he's choking harder,、mm-hmm. and she's struggling. And then eventually, because she's dead, she relaxes. Her body goes limp, and her whole body is just numb. It's not moving anymore. He says, "A woman is most beautiful, like this." So this guy's a creep, right? What's going on in Seoul? What's going on in South Korea? And meanwhile, on the other end, I mean, the whole family, Ellen's little family, they're doing cute family stuff. They're straight up like family vloggers. It's Gwen's 14th birthday, so she's so excited. She's like, "Mom, we gotta go to the store. We gotta buy decorations. We gotta buy a cake. Let's go!" So Mom and Gwen, they head out. They skirt skirt to the local birthday store. They're picking out all these decorations, and Gwen is being a 14-year-old. That's for sure. Like her mom is taking her sweet time checking out. She's like. Oh wait, is there a discount on that? Oh, can I do this? Oh wait, I forgot my points card. So of course Gwen is like, listen, mom, I'm just gonna wait outside. Like this is annoying and almost embarrassing because you know when you're 14, everything your mom does is embarrassing. So Gwen rushes outside and she's standing out there like, God, what's wrong with my mom? And it's my birthday, and that's when she sees a guy with a hoodie on and a cap. No. And he's like, Oh my God, that's Celine's uncle. So she runs up to him and she says, "Hey, can you just tell Celine I'm really sorry and I'm never gonna tell anyone that I saw her that day, like when you guys were at the grocery store. Like、mm-hmm. I don't want her to be mad at me. It's gonna be awkward. We have piano classes together. You're Celine's uncle, right? Can you just tell her I don't I don't have her number?" He says, "Well, why don't you come with me and tell her right now?" Oh no no no! Oh, is it close? Yeah, and I can drive you back home. It's very close. So she's about to leave, but、mm-hmm. Ellen runs out of the birthday store and she goes, "Sweetie, what are you doing? Come on, we gotta go. Your dad's waiting." Oh, sorry, Celine's uncle. Maybe next time. And she rushes off with her mom. They get into their car. They pack their stuff, and she's Ellen's reversing out of her parking spot. And in her rearview mirror, she sees a guy, and it's very clear his face. Right? She sees him looking in her license plate, looking up at the rearview mirror, and smirking. And she just thinks, okay, that's so weird. That's really creepy. Which, by the way, there's got to be a smarter way to do license plates, no? Like it's、yeah. a very dangerous <laughs> thing, no? Yeah. So、uh, he's looking at her license plates, looking at her, and he's smirking. And she just thinks that's weird. But I mean, what would you do in that situation? I don't think I'd get out and be like, "What were you doing?" There's nothing you can do except for drive away and think, "Wow, that was weird."、Mm-hmm. So they drive off and they start celebrating Ellen's birthday party or Gwen's birthday, her 14th birthday.、Mm-hmm. They've got multiple cakes for her, and、uh, she's upset by this. You would think that some might be happy, but she's upset because they have a rice cake. Cake, 
which is better for you, and then they have a regular cake. So they give her the regular cake to blow out the candles, but it seems like Ellen is a health crazy. Mm -hmm. So she keeps telling her, you can't eat that cake. Icing is literally like the death of you. Sugar is going to kill you. It's so bad for your health. It's going to cause so many different things. Like you need to eat the rice cake cake. This is just for display. And Gwen is like, I'm literally 14 and it's my birthday. I want to freaking eat the cake. So they're kind. it's a little bit tense. There's a little bit of trouble in paradise. They sing her happy birthday. She blows out her candles. And then you see the parents start to argue a little bit. You forgot her birthday present? What? No, you were supposed to get no. her birthday present. No, you were supposed to get... And they're starting to argue. And you're thinking, damn, like what happened to this so happy family? Is this what happens over time? But in reality, it was all a setup. It was all a ploy because Gwen gets so sad and says, it's okay, guys, I don't even need a birthday present. Oh. And that is when the mom pulls out a bronze oh marble. God. A bronze what? A bronze marble. What's that? And she gives it to Gwen. And Gwen, looking at this marble, already knows. She instantly knows what to do. She runs to the living room. There's an elaborate domino setup, and it, it triggers like this toy truck to move and push something else. She pushes the dominoes, uh -huh. puts the marble in, and all just all around the living room, it's like a Mr. Beast video. Happy <laughs> birthday cards swing up. It's like a whole display. Oh, and the then, parents build that. Yeah. Oh. And then at the end, a new phone drops into her hands. A little package Bro, drops down that's the into type her of hands. Things he would do. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a new phone, and she's like, "Oh my god, thank you guys so much!" And she runs into her room, and she's so excited. And the parents feel like we did good, right? So this is when Sam, he sneaks out onto the balcony. <sighs> Can you guys guess what he's about to do? He Wait, knows Sam, the the killer, the husband. Oh, the husband. Sam oh, knows okay, okay. he shouldn't be doing this, but he's gonna do Cheating. it. Cheating. Calling no. someone with a different uh, He reaches girl. into his pocket. He pulls out a cigarette and a lighter, a, one of those fancy lighters. And it even has inscribed, Daddy, don't smoke. So it seems like Gwen had gotten it for him oh. to remind him or had gotten it inscribed for him to remind him, hey, don't smoke. You promised us you wouldn't smoke. And he's like, Fuck, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. But he can't help it. So he lights a cigarette. And that's when Ellen slams open the door. What are you doing? Okay, I didn't actually start smoking. It, I just put it in my mouth, just to, like just one puff. I love you, babe. Let's go inside here. I'll give you a massage. You know what? This is so dumb. And she's upset. She's like, you promised. You promised me. You promised Gwen. No, forget it. I don't need your stupid massage. I'm going to take a freaking bath. And so she rushes into the bathroom and she locks it shut and he's knocking on it. Come on, babe. Like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. At this point, I don't think it's like the worst fight in the world. Like, it's not an ugly fight. It's just one of those, like, you know, they're kind of having an argument. But she's not like that pissed. Mm -hmm. So she's laying in the bath, relaxing. What do I do with this potato? Diagonally, same distance. This way. Yeah. Ellen goes into the bathroom. She starts taking a bath. It's a nice relaxing one. She's taking her time. Gwen's playing with her phone. No big deal. You know, it's, uh -huh. they don't need her. She sees the d door handle just violently jiggling and she's like, guys, be patient. What could possibly be going on? Like you spilled something, dad can handle. You know, it's like one of those mom things. Like really, you need me every two seconds? Mm -hmm. Okay, fine, I'm coming out. So she dries herself off, she gets dressed and she opens the door handle and it's pitch black in her apartment, which she thinks is a little bit strange. So she walks into the kitchen. She's still not scared yet. Like she's, watch out. Yep. She's 
not alarmed. She doesn't feel like someone's in the house or her kids are gone, like nothing. She just goes to the kitchen, doesn't turn on the light, which I will never understand. Do people actually do those things when you see those movies mm -hmm. and they wake up in the middle of the night and they go get a glass of water in the kitchen in complete darkness? I mean, I get it, it's your house, but I turn on every light on the way. Same, same. I turn on the bedroom light, I turn on the hallway light, then uh -huh. I turn on the stair light, then I turn on the kitchen light, and then I turn on my phone flashlight. You turn, like, you turn. I turn on you. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just don't get it, but she's opening the kitchen door, the kitchen fridge. Let's do the potato real quick. Okay, oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Can we see it? Can we? No, 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 no. You have to wash it in water first, but let's see. How do I expand wash it. In it. Water? Expand it. Let's see if it works. Whoa. It's too what? thick. Then there's better. Wow, you told me to do. Dude, but that, when you do diagonally, yeah. it, it really is hard. Yeah. Like, wow, I'm sad, guys. I'm really competitive, Dan Dan. Oh, I know you are. So I'm trying to destroy your corn dog, but I'm destroying myself in the process. And that's why you need to stay in your own lane, Stephanie. Are you guys ready for this, honey? Oh. <gasps> Oh, oh my god. god, that's beautiful. Thank you. There we go. I did get very competitive. Oh my god, you're going even thinner. Right. Let's see it, Anna. Let's see it. I, I'm not. <laughs> Yikes. Whoa. Like this part right here messed up. Holy cow. Did you know in a single lifetime, a person who menstruates disposes of anywhere between 5,000 to 15,000 pads and tampons? And some of the most popular period products takes anywhere between 500 500 to 800 years to fully decompose. So I started testing out some menstrual cups and Intamina had sent me their Ziggy Cup 2. This is in size A, this is in size B. This is for like a light to medium flow. This is like their heavy flow days, like my first two days of the period, I'm sticking this one in. And when I tell you, you guys know that I've always been like a diehard pad person for years. I always love using pads. So I'm gonna be honest, I was a bit nervous. I was like, what is it gonna feel like? How is it gonna be? Is it easy to take out? Is it easy to put in? What's it like? I stuck one of these in, one of these bad babies in, and I tell you it's different. There is something about this shape that conforms to my body to the point where I don't feel like it's there. Like it's so comfortable. I feel so free. I don't have to worry about it because these provide eight hours of leak-free fun. Like you can just go about your normal day. I love that the main body of these cups are petal thin. It just conforms so well. It's so flexible. This is a double-edged rim, which means that there's gonna be no leakage, no spillage. It even has this tab, so it's so easy to pull out. You can even have a mess-free period sex with these on, and it's medical grade silk. Silicone feels buttery soft. They're easy to use. This is literally eight hours of nonstop period protection. You just feel like these cups, they get you. So make sure to check out Intamina, linked in the description. I'm telling you, your periods can be easier. We currently have the little potato dogs upstairs in the air fryer, but we're just gonna jump right back in, okay? She's walking into the kitchen with no lights on, trying to grab a bottle of water. There's no sign of her husband, no sign of her daughter. Maybe they went to sleep, maybe they went on a walk. She doesn't really seem to care because, I mean, nothing weird happens, you know? They're just home. Mm -hmm. So she opens it, gets a bottle of water, and behind her, we see a hooded man appear. No! And he bonks her on the head. She falls to the ground. He hit her on the head with a baseball bat she falls to the ground and she her hand kind of lands on something that she thinks is weird so she kind of grabs at it and then she's like wait a minute and you see her look at what that weird thing on the floor could possibly be 
and it was Sam's hand. And his face is completely bloodied up. It looks like he has actively just been murdered. So she starts screaming. She tries to get back up. She doesn't know where her daughter is. She's panicking. She's freaking out. And the guy, before she can even get up, they make eye contact. And he hits her on the head again. No. And then again. And you just see blood splatter all over the walls. Even all over like the drawings that Gwen drew for her parents when she was young, that's getting splattered with blood. And you just see this guy, he seems so angry at them for some reason. And then everything goes black. Ellen wakes up in the hospital. She's being rushed to the emergency room. The attending surgeon, let's call him Chris. So Dr. Chris is like, okay, what happened? Patient is 35 years old, the nurse tells him. She, um, her. Her husband and her daughter have been killed in a home invasion. She's the only one that's alive. She's 35 years old, in good health. She's a very rare blood type. It's called RHO blood type. So we need to get extra blood. Did you tell them to get extra blood? And the surgeon Chris just kind of seems a little bit off put by this mm -hmm. whole story. Like everything about it, he just seems to be thinking a lot about it. Now, I don't know if that's like professionally speaking or personally speaking, but there's something going on. You just know, why is he thinking like that? He even says, oh, does she have any family members? Did we alert them? No, she has no family members. Her husband and her daughter just died and she's an orphan. So he starts his operation to save Ellen's life and uh, we get a flashback while he's operating on Ellen on what his life is like. Surgeon Chris actually has a daughter in the hospital and she's, she's really ill. She's like a, she's a trooper, but she's really, really sick and you can tell that she probably has a limited day's amount to live. She's laying on the hospital bed and she's trying to be excited when Surgeon Chris walks in and she's like, Dad, guess what? My friend from school just got me these shoes. Here, I'm gonna try them on. She puts them on, she does a little prance around the hospital room, and she starts coughing up blood. I mean, it's clear she does not have a lot of days. We find out that she has a rare cancer and a rare blood type, RHO blood type, and they have not been able to find a donor. Now, I don't know what exactly that she needs, what organ she needs, but that's a rare blood type, and she needs some organs. So he's, you know, thinking all of these things. Yeah. After he saves Ellen's life, he does a press conference. This is a high profile case. I mean, when you think about true crime, you're talking about a home invasion, a vicious murder of two members of a family. This is good, a lot of press coverage. A lot of people who really want this solved. So all the journalists are like, Surgeon Chris, Surgeon Chris, can you give us an update on the remaining surviving family member? He says, well, um, she is not conscious, but she is alive. She's hooked up to machines. I believe that either she will not recover, uh, severely impaired at least. It is in my professional opinion that she is already brain dead. And so everybody looks disappointed, except one hooded man with a baseball cap in the crowd. He looks pleased by this information and he walks out of the press conference and all the journalists have a million more questions and Surgeon Chris says, that's enough questions, thank you. And he goes back into Ellen's hospital room and he keeps looking over his shoulder and he approaches her. She's hooked up to machines, she's unconscious and he pulls out a syringe and he says, I'm so sorry. And he's about to inject her arm but her eyes burst open, she grabs his arm with her other arm, and they just stare at each other. Oh my god, that's intense. Fast forward to two years later, 
Ellen is alive. Now, we don't really know what happened. We don't know if maybe her being alive shocked Dr. Chris so much that he was like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. You know, or maybe he was like, please don't tell anyone. I didn't mean it. Like it was a moment of weakness. I don't know what I was thinking. I thought you were already dead, but now you're not dead. So of course I'm going to let you live. I thought you were dead. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. Right, but uh, she's alive. She is wheelchair bound. She's paralyzed in both of her legs from um, her waist down. So she's in this wheelchair. She's going to rehab and she has this one care assistant by the name of Hannah. Now Hannah is uh, really intense, okay? Hannah is, she's overly optimistic and happy around other okay. people. Compare her to Kat from Victorious. Like just kind of bouncing <laughs> around. Yeah, and then uh -huh. Ellen is like, you okay my whole family's dead and i'm in a wheelchair so like why are you so happy right but hannah is like come on the lord loves you still praise the lord and she's jumping around bouncing off walls and ellen is like god i want to die like get this girl away from me uh -huh. but she is her care assistant so hannah's wheeling her around everywhere they're going around um this is the two-year anniversary of the death and it's actually gwen's 16th birthday if she were still alive so to commemorate it they go to the same spot the same birthday shop to mm. get some cake and decorations for gwen and Ellen's picking out her things. She even gets a bottle of wine and Hannah's like, oh, the Lord Jesus would not approve. But uh, she lets Ellen buy it anyway, right? And as they're checking out, they're leaving. Ellen's in her electric wheelchair and she spots a guy no. in a hoodie with no. a baseball cap. And it's like this tense moment. They're at the crosswalk. Hannah's jib jibber jabbering about praying and and she's ready. She doesn't really get a clear look at his face, but she's ready. And you can tell she's ready because we get a close-up. She's got a knife under her sleeve. She's ready to stab people, okay? She's Mrs. Stabby, just ready to go. Anybody around her, stab, right? So she starts zooming. I'm talking Mario Karting through this freaking crosswalk with, with a, a knife in her hand. And all of these people, they start noticing, oh my God, that crazy lady's got a knife in her hand. So they start jumping out of the way. All cars are honking because people are jumping out of the crosswalk to avoid, you know, being in her way. She tracks down the guy in the hoodie, slams into his legs, he falls into the ground, and she lifts up her arm with the knife and she's about to stab him. And she sees his face. And it's not John. So of course, Felon's getting taken to the police station. Come on, let's be real, right? And the police sit her down and they say, Ellen, what did we say about stabbing strangers? This is the 10th time you've done it this month. You need to let us do our oh job. Gosh. I get it, you're mad. You're upset, it's been two years. Yes, but Ellen, please. And before he can finish his sentence, Ellen finishes it. Ellen, please be patient. I'm sorry, did you say 10 times? Yeah, like she's just been going around trying to stab strangers and then realizing that's not the killer. Just anybody wearing a baseball cap and a hoodie in South Korea, you better watch out. You better watch your back. Jeez. Ellen's on the move, okay? Hannah helps, you know, take Ellen home. And this time you see a very different side of Ellen. Uh, two years ago, she was living in a really nice apartment. She had a very, very nice, fancy job. And it just looked like the perfect family. Now she's living in this, I'm assuming government subsidized, just run down apartment. The we like the walls are peeling off. It's not well kept. It's not taken care of. And, you know, Hannah keeps telling Ellen, why don't you just, you just should move in with me. I literally already get your mail. Why not make the move permanent? It's so much easier to take care of you if you live in my house. And besides, I love being together. Like we're good friends. 
she's making curry, right? She puts down two giant ass plates of curry in front of them and she's scarfing it up. Am I Hannah? <laughs> she's scarfing it up. She's excited. She's like, this fucking curry is good, huh? She's eating excitedly. Ellen's not even touching her food. And she just looks at Hannah and goes, why do you keep following me around? Because I'm going to take care of you. And besides, the Lord has not given up on you, Ellen. Oh. Speaking of, I have your mail, you know, because you send your mail to my house. So she gets her purse out and she hands her the mail and Ellen crumbles it up and trashes it. Get out. Leave me alone. I just want to be alone. Leave me alone. And it says, no, no, Ellen, you don't mean that. You're just maybe tense today. You know, we went to the police station and Ellen screams, I said, get out. And she grabs Hannah's purse and throws it at the door. Get out. So Hannah goes over and she goes, oh, oh, dear Jesus, please forgive Ellen. She doesn't mean any of this. And she's picking up her purse and she looks up and she says, Ellen, Jesus forgives you. And Ellen's holding her curry plate. Yeah, she's ready to throw her curry plate. And uh, Hannah sees this, so she screams and she opens the door. She runs out and you hear the plate smash into the door. Oh and Hannah goes home. And it seems like this happens quite frequently because Hannah doesn't seem that surprised by it. So Ellen finally has her own little private area and she's, you know, using her computer in private without Hannah lurking around and she's going onto essentially the Koreans Craigslist and she's asking for ads. She's posting these ads. Does anybody have a nice Zippo lighter willing to pay above average price? Which is a weird thing to look for, right? Mm -hmm. So she's posting these ads and she gets a chat request from someone named Minipiece. So she accepts it. She writes down their IP address in her giant journal of random IP addresses of people she's been talking to on the internet. So it seems like she's looking for Zippo lighters. Like, that's her full-time job. Like, so, she's trying to find a husband's lighter. Uh-huh. Because we get a flashback of her. And uh, right before she passes out, she sees the killer grab the lighter, pocket it, and leave. Oh. And uh, Minnie Peace tells her, Got a Zippo lighter. It looks like 1998. Pretty good. Made of good material. She says, oh, okay. Uh, what does it look like? Uh, any, anything written on there? I just don't want it to be a fake. And he says, yeah, there's some like random scribbles, but no, I mean, it looks real. What do the scribbles say? Daddy, don't smoke. That's it. So she panics and she starts typing and she deletes her text and she types and deletes her text. At first, she's like, Okay, I want to buy it. Where are you? No, no, delete, delete. Too excited. Okay, I'd like to purchase. No, 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 no. Delete, delete, delete. Mm. And then she settles on, Daddy don't smoke? Question mark. And he says, Yeah, my niece got it for me. Oh, smart. okay. Smart man. Wow. And he and she says, Well, can I get a picture of it? Cause there's been so many fakes. So you see, mini piece typing, and then he deletes, and he exits the chat. Why? Does he He's a, probably suspicious too? Yes. And uh, in that moment, she's freaking out. She's upset. She slams down her laptop screen. And Sam, her husband, appears right next to her, alive and healthy. And he's trying to comfort her. Ellen, it's okay. And she's trying to grab his face to caress him. And in that moment, someone comes up behind him with a bat. And his face is bloody now. And she gasps and she snaps out of it. So she's seeing her husband get killed over and over and over mm. in her mind for the past two years. So she's miserable. We also see her that night take herself to an abandoned storage yard and she's waiting from someone. We see this yellow car pull up and it's like a really creepy scene. There's like random boxes everywhere that look really scary. It's a sketch 
sketchy, sketchy place, right, to be. And uh, these two guys pull up in a yellow car and they say, you got the money? Yeah, I got the money. You got the goods? Yeah, I got it. So she tosses the money into the car and they count it. And these guys, I mean, from the get-go, I know, don't judge a book by its cover, but I'm judging. I'm judging. I'd run the other way so quick. I'd be calling my dad on the way. I'd be like, Appa, so I'm so scared. Like, come on, what do I do, right? They'd be looking sketch, like epitome of sketch. They're counting the money. Looks good, give it to her. They throw her a package. She opens it up. It's a gun. So she says, okay, thanks. And she puts it away, waits for them to drive off, and she starts wheeling herself out of the storage yard. And she hears a car approaching her, and it's getting faster and faster. And she starts speeding up, and she's trying to get out of the way because it seems like someone's literally, it sounds like it's coming right for her. So she tries to get out of the way, but the yellow car comes. I don't know if it was the side view mirror or maybe someone stuck out their hand, but they throw her onto the ground. The guy gets out of the car and says, you're pretty brave for a girl and an insert slur for a disabled person. Just all alone at night. Stupid. And the he, same people sold her the gun? Yeah, and he steps on her hand, grabs the gun, and looks at her face and slaps her. Just an added measure of disrespect, okay? And he gets into the car, leaving Ellen on the ground, not mobile, like not able to move back up into her wheelchair without all her money and without the gun. And he leaves. So she starts screaming. And thankfully, there were some pedestrians who heard uh, way far away. So they came and they rescued her. They put her back into the wheelchair. They helped her get out of there. But she did not press charges, obviously. So when she gets back home, her face is all scratched up. And the next morning, Hannah comes bright and early, ready to start the day. And she says, so what are we doing today? You know, she sees the big bottle of wine. And Ellen looks even more pissed than yesterday. So Hannah, she's feeling desperate. So she says, you know what? Can I be honest with you? All the praying I do, that's just for me. It's selfish. It's literally selfish. And Hannah pours herself a giant glass of wine and starts chugging it. And she takes off her shirt and her bra. Mm -hmm. And she shows Ellen her left breast. And it, I mean, you can tell that it's like there was some surgery done. And she says, Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with breast cancer and it keeps coming back. So yeah, I fucking pray for me because I don't want to die in hell. And she's like, oh shoot, I just cursed, right? And she starts panicking and she's like, ah, dang it. Dear Lord, I'm so sorry for cursing. I won't do it again. I will never sin again. Please, I don't want to die in hell. And she's like praying, praying. And she looks at Ellen and she says, I should have cursed more before I got breast cancer. Because, you know, it seems like Hannah was living a, you know, like a wild life and then she got breast cancer and suddenly she felt the need to be religious because she has no idea what's gonna happen in the afterlife. And now she regrets not doing all the crazy, quote, sins before breast cancer. And this causes Ellen to almost, almost smile. And it seems like they're bonding. And Hannah takes this opportunity to just dive in. And she says, Ellen, you shouldn't feel so bad. I get it, what happened is bad, but you still have a lot. Yeah, like what? Like my husband is dead, my daughter is dead, I have no family, like what do I have? We have a healthy body. Even with all my chemo treatments, like there's nothing I can give to this world. When I die, I can't donate any of my organs. I don't even have a healthy body. And Ellen looks at her and at first she's like, what the fork bits? Mm -hmm. And then she's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
And she says, okay, well, I'll see you tomorrow. And she starts stabbing away on her computer. And the next scene, you see Ellen meeting with Surgeon Chris on top of a rooftop. And she demands, I need something from you. I need a list. Of what? I need a list of people that I'm compatible with that need organ transplants. What? That's illegal. I could never, just even you talking and asking me about that type of stuff is illegal. Mm-hmm. And what you tried to do when I was in the hospital wasn't illegal. But that was, that was a moment of weakness and I wasn't, and I didn't do anything technically. Well, I need a list. I need five people. Well, what do I get out of it? Here's what I need. And Ellen goes on to describe her new team that she needs. So this is her whole, her whole master plan is to create a team of people who are going to help her track down John because she can't do it alone it seems, are going to help her kill him and in return she will donate her whole body to save them because at the end of the day she cares nothing than revenge. There's no point in living. She just doesn't want to die until she kills him. That's it. Wow. So she needs five people. She needs a hacker. She finds one by the name of Jamie. She's a young girl that works in like a computer programming industry. Her mom has cancer, needs a transplant, has been on the list for years. Jamie's going to hack into Minipiece and find his IP address, find out where he lives. Then she's going to need someone who's good at building. He's going to be kind of the brains, right? His name is Nate. He's an engineer mm -hmm. and uh, he has cataracts. He needs eyes. His eyes are going really, really bad. He has a wife, he has a son, you know, he needs to stay alive. Then we have Dave. He's going to be the muscles of the group, okay? He, he's like an ex-gangster, ex-cop beater-upper, like he was wild. His wife, though, hated him. His wife hated him so much because he was always getting in trouble. She drank herself to the point where her liver no longer works. And he feels responsible for that. Because of all the heartache he put on his wife, she needs a new liver. He's going to be the muscles. He's going to be the one watching, stalking John, making sure John ends up in her little torture chamber that her and Nate are going to build. And then Chris. Chris is going to be the one that somehow needs to find a place where they can illegally do the organ transplants. Because this is bypassing the whole thing, you know? Even if she dies, it's not like these specific people are going to get her organs. It's just anybody on the list. And in return his daughter will live. Feels like just yesterday, when it was the holidays, I was sitting in front of the fireplace, ooh, my feet up on the coffee table, sipping hot cocoa, nothing on my mind, nothing on my brain, zilch. And now, now the new year's gonna start. And we've got new year's goals, we've got new year's emails, okay, a lot of emails. And I am so stressed, but the only thing that gives me a solace of hope, a little opening of, you know what, maybe it's not gonna be that stressful, is Grammarly. You guys know Grammarly, this is my digital writing assistant, and I love the fact that I can tell people I have an assistant, okay? And Grammarly has been saving me from double checking, triple checking, quadruple checking all of my emails, any of my writing really, whether I'm doing a, an essay, whether I'm writing to a friend from like two years ago, my text messages, my tweets, Grammarly can double check all of that. With the free version of Grammarly, you're free from basic spelling and grammatical mistakes, which honestly is very embarrassing, so it really helps you with that. But with Grammarly Premium, that's where the magic happens, babe. I'm telling you, okay? With Grammarly Premium, you can set your tone. So everybody's got a different vibe. Maybe when I'm talking to a, a very professional person, 
I want them to know that I know what I'm talking about. That I sound polished, put together, refined. I'm using bigger words. But when I'm talking to someone that's very casual and I'm trying to form a personal relationship with them, I let Grammarly know the tone of the message and they help me. They even give me feedback. Hey, this one's looking a little bit informal. I thought you said you were trying to be very professional. Maybe we should work on these two lines. They even give me suggestions for overused words so that I don't sound repetitive. Whether you're sending emails, writing essays, maybe it's for work, maybe it's for writing a novel. Get Grammarly Premium, you won't regret it. So start the year off right with Grammarly and you guys right now can get 20% off of your Grammarly Premium when you go to grammarly.com slash bam. That's 20% off of your Grammarly Premium when you go to grammarly.com slash bam. G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash B-A-M. So she approaches all these people and at first all of them laugh in her face. They're like, do you know how freaking illegal that is? You sound like a crazy lady. I get it. You want to kill some people. We don't want to kill anybody and we don't want just an organ transplant off the market. No, no. The hospital's going to help us. They told us to just hang tight, sit tight, and my mom's going to get a transplant. And all of them are optimistic that they're going to get a transplant. And then a little bit more time goes by and slowly they start coming around. The more that they either see themselves or their loved ones sick, they can't help it. Come on, let's be real. You're approached with this opportunity. It would be a very hard thing to pass down, especially if your loved one is coughing up blood right next to you. So they kind of, you know, they kind of say yes, hesitantly. And the first step is Jamie. Jamie, you're going to have to get his IP address. So what does she do? She goes to work and she approaches her creepy boss and she says, I need this IP address, please. Now this guy's a creep. Like the minute that you see him again, you're gonna want to run in the opposite direction. And she asks her gross boss, can you do me a huge favor? And uh, she gives him the IP address and asks him to get a location out of it. Mm -hmm. And he looks her body up and down and says, yeah on one condition. And the next scene is Jamie running into the bathroom vomiting and oh. uh, she calls she calls her and says, we got the address, we got the address. At that point, Ellen sends Nate and Dave and they go to that address and they start rustling through all these papers and all these, you know, these like, uh, what do you call it? Clothes, dressers. They also find the lighter that says, daddy, don't smoke. Wait, they so, broke into his yes. house? So they oh freak out and the minute that they're in there, they, get, they hear the jingling of a key. So they rush outside. Dave attacks this guy, tramples him onto the ground and he wakes up in Ellen's house, just tired up and they say well John and they're like all right and she she's so excited and she pulls off the plastic bag ready to beat him up she's got all these torture devices she has a saw lined up she's got scalpels she's ready to painfully kill John the killer of her family and when she rips off that plastic bag it's not John so she's pissed what the hell is going on? Where did you get this freaking lighter? How do you have this lighter? And he says, whoa, whoa, please don't kill me. Did Mrs. Judy send you? Tell her I'm gonna pay her back next month. I swear, I'm getting a big check next month. I'm gonna pay her back. Just tell her, please, I got, I got a wife, I got kids. Where'd you get the damn lighter? What, the, the light, that lighter? Oh. Um, oh shoot, where did I get that lighter? It was like a, I think it was Saturday. I was working valet at a coffee shop. What's the coffee shop? Uh, what was it? What was it? Apple coffee something. Apple coffee. It's on um on 63rd Street. Apple coffee shop on Saturday. Yes, I was working valet and the guy, he, he had it in his car and, and I stole it. He had it in his car. 
what did the guy look like? And he's describing him, and it looks just like John. So she freaks out and she says, okay, she lets him go. She calls Jamie and says, you got to get the CCTV for Saturday from Apple Coffee House. We need to get a license plate. And Jamie, she's pissed at this point. Mm -hmm. She's like, what, what are you talking about? You told me to get an IP address and that was that you would give me an organ for getting an address. You think you can just call me and give me your demands? Listen, this is the only way, Jamie, you have to do this. Okay, fine. I'll have it by tomorrow. Meet me at my office. And she hangs up. Meanwhile, Dave and Chris are really upset that this deal is on hold until they find another person. Like, they feel like, hey, we're doing our part. How many people in this country do we have to freaking kidnap? Like, you told us, kidnap this one person and we're good. We went to the address that you gave us. So they're pissed. Chris decides we got to take matters into our own hands. My daughter's not doing well. She's got months to live. She looks weak. She keeps telling me about how I need to get married. She keeps telling me, dad, I'm going to rest in peace and I will be at peace with myself and my life. If you just get married, you're turning into this old man and no one's going to want to marry you when you're old. Please, dad, you need someone in your life when I'm gone. So he's freaking out. He's like, we got to do this ASAP. And Dave's like, I'm on board. My wife needs a liver. So Chris hands Dave a syringe and says, take her out. So Dave leaves and he rushes over to Ellen's house and he bangs on the door and she opens it up. But Hannah's there. They're eating curry and he's like, God damn it. Hi. Hello. And uh, Ellen is like, oh, this is um, my friend. Because Hannah has no idea that Ellen has friends. I mean, they've been together for two years. Hannah's been her caretaker. She's like, you have friends? And who the hell is this guy? He doesn't even look like someone you'd be friends with. And she's like, this, this whole thing is weird, right? And Ellen is like, yeah, he's uh, my friend. And he sits down. He's awkwardly eating curry with them, even though he tells Hannah he specifically doesn't even like curry. But Hannah gives him a massive scoop of curry. And uh, they're just sitting awkwardly. And eventually, Hannah gets the message. And she says, OK, well, I'll be back tomorrow, Ellen. You two have fun. And she leaves. And Ellen wheels herself away from the table and she has her back turned. And Dave is about to jump in, syringe her, and kill her. But the door slams open. It's an Ajashi. And he goes, John. Ellen, taxi service. Huh? So he puts the syringe down slowly into his pocket. Ellen glares at him because she knows what was about to happen. She saw it? Yeah. And uh, the taxi man helps wheel Ellen out. So it seems like this is someone she knows. Like, she uses this taxi a lot, right? So he comes into the apartment, helps her out, it seems. So she gets into the taxi, and she's going to meet Jamie at her workplace to get the CCTV footage because she needs to see it at the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. So she goes into this big building, and she's in this long hallway. And she, you know, she walks into a conference room, and that's when she sees Jamie with her creepy boss and two henchmen essentially and they the henchmen immediately grab Ellen and no. the boss looks at Jamie and says you know you're kind of smart hey 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 henchmen be careful with her she's valuable you're kind of smart Jamie I didn't know you were that smart when I hired you you know using organ trade to pay off your debts it's a good one she says well I wouldn't even have had debts if my mom didn't get sick so, you know, I got to do what I have to do. And Ellen looks so betrayed. She looks shocked. Two more henchmen walk in and they're pulling at her. And Jamie says, we'll take care of her. Anyway, you remember what I said. Sell the rest of her organs. We split the profits. I'm going to pay my loans back for all the debt that I got from taking care of my mom. And my mom needs a kidney. And she walks out. 
and Ellen's screaming and she's upset and uh, you know the boss being creepy says she was the interest and now you're the payment and it's really gross it looks like he might even try to assault her but right at that moment he gets a phone call it's one of the organ dealers and he's so excited he's like hello I go, oh I got some ripe ass ones for you oh yeah she's she's like 35 oh she looks healthy probably good organs yeah I mean what do you want what do you need you need a heart I got one you need lungs I got them I've got skin I got what do you need we're gonna make money and in that moment in that excitement he doesn't notice that Dave has walked in and he slams his head on the ground and he kills the two henchmen well he doesn't kill them but he disables the two henchmen so that they're knocked unconscious and they can't fight back and he wheels Ellen out of there and he says we have a fucking deal still Wow. Damn, That's Dave. Hot, Damn, bro. Dave. That's hot. He's like, I'm going to save you from these organ traders so I can kill you and take your organs. Woo, daddy. <laughs> so he rushes him into the Chris's office, the doctor's office, and all of them are gathered and they're all arguing. Like, let's just fucking kill her now. And they're like, Jamie, I can't believe you did that. You went behind our backs. We're going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Ellen screams, everybody shut up. And she's got this tiny blue pill in her hand. She says, the minute that I swallow this, all of my organs are contaminated. And so they freak out. They're like, okay, okay. <laughs> no, I need to pull out the big guns, girl. Like, what do you want? What do you want? Let's just, mm -hmm. let's talk about it. She asks them to follow her to her old house. And they get there. This is the house that she lived with her family. And I guess maybe real estate wasn't bustling because all of the blood-tainted walls are still there. The furniture is gone. The house has not sold. Nobody knew is living there. I mean, she still has the keys. Maybe she couldn't sell it. Maybe she couldn't bring herself to sell it. But regardless. And then we have our potatoes. Look at the Look color. At the can, we, can you pass me the ketchup? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah, there we go. Mm -hmm. Dan Dan, will you try? Cheers. Mmm. 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 Is it good? Mm -hmm. Actually? Mmm. I would say it could be crispier, but it reminds me of like french fries. Yeah. And a. Mm. It kind of looks mm. like corn dog, too. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, this is good. Mm-hmm. What the heck? It's actually really good. And it was so easy. Yeah. To make. Mmm. Honestly, you just need what you just need a potato. Like if you are trying to make French fries for like a, mm. a little dinner party, wow. this could be cooler, right? This is very good. Mm -hmm. it is. Wow, and wow. it's fun to eat. Hold on. Last bite. Maybe next time we can make it a little crispier. Yeah. But dude, this is Amazing. So Ellen takes them back to her old place and they're standing there and she tells them the real story of what happened. That night she was hit with that bat and she saw Sam bloody on the floor. And before she was almost killed, the guy got down to her face, looked her dead in the eye, started choking her and said, mm, don't look away, look at me. And started to choke her. And in that moment, you hear Gwen in her room and she's calling the cops and it's dead silent, you can hear her, and the killer, he's like, oh, I gotta get her, right? Mm -hmm. So he puts Ellen down, stops choking her, he's trying to make a U-turn, and Sam, completely bloody, gathers his last strength and grabs his ankle to try and stop him. And John turns around and says, no, no, grabs a bat, kills Sam with three more hits, 
and runs into Gwen's room. And he keeps the door open. He slams Gwen onto the ground to the point where Ellen can see Gwen's face, her own daughter's face. And um, he's got his foot on top of her head and he's waiting to do something. And the last word she said was mom. Before you hear this really just, you want to die type of cracking noise, like an unnatural cracking noise. And she goes limp and her eyes are lifeless. And she tells the group, this is what I have to do. I have to kill this guy. Even if it means doing it alone, this is what I have to do. So you guys are, feel free to leave. And they all look at her. And it seems like all of them were kind of touched by that. So they say, no, 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 we're going to help you. Dave and Nate immediately start uh, making a table, right? Nate is an engineer, so he's got this whole thing crafted out. It's like this big table. It's got these, you know, these, um, what do you call it? Like a saw at the end. And Ellen says, you got to make sure it's slow. So he turns it on when it's done. And the table slowly inches closer to the saw. So he's going to get sawed to death like a saw movie. <laughs> it's got to be as slow, as painful as possible. Dave is shocked by this, but almost slightly amused because this looks like just an Ajma, like this is a mom saying all of this. This is not like a badass, you know, 20 something year old. This is a mom. She's trying to get revenge. I mean, it's kind of shocking. Jamie ends up finding the real address of where this guy lives. She finds the CCTV footage of the Apple place, um, at the Apple coffee house, gets the license plate, runs the plates, and she finds the address. So then Nate starts kind of spying on this guy, just watching him for multiple days. It definitely looks like him. It definitely looks like what Ellen said. Meanwhile, John is oblivious to all of this and he's still going out with sex workers. He's looking for something very specific. He finds a girl, brings him to his place and she sees the surgical table. But not only that, she sees a giant, um, like a giant doll hanging from the ceiling. And it's almost like an artistic doll. It's got wings. It's almost like a sculpture and he calls it his angel. He's actually showing the angel at an art exhibit. So we find out that John's profession in real life is an artist. He has all of these different sculptures that he makes. And when reporters asked him, where do you find the materials for this? Because it's not like you're painting. He says, oh, it's just trash. trash. So it's all trash. And he says, yeah, I like to turn trash, something dirty, something gross and unpure. And I like to make it into art, something pure, something revived. And they're all like, wow, what an artist. He's known for his angel doll, which is the one that's suspended in like his little lair. And it's essentially a girl hanging from the ceiling with wings and she's like posed. And every part of her, I mean, she looks real, she, it looks creepy. This is like the creepiest doll I've ever seen. Yeah, creepier than Squid Game, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, wow, it's really pretty. You have a surgical table. Oh, you must be really into the kinky stuff. And he says, yeah. Just hold on a second. And as he turns his back, she notices all the sculpting tools that look very sharp, the knives and stuff. And she she starts panicking a little and she slowly takes off her heels, nonchalant, and she tries to make a run for it. She's running for the door, but he grabs her by the hair, slams her down, and she had this beautiful, long, straight black hair that is now on a porcelain doll. He had scalped her. And he had put her hair like a wig on a doll. And you see a collection of dolls with various wigs. 
with various things on. Some of them have glasses on. Some of them have uh, necklaces on. So it seems like every person he kills, if he's not putting their you know body to use on the angel, he will literally scalp them, put the wig on the porcelain doll, and then take a trophy, whether it's a ring, whether it's a necklace, and put it on the doll. So each victim is revived into something else, and this is his art. He even displays it at different places. She's murdered, and he decides, well, after I murder someone, what do I gotta do? I gotta blow off some steam. So he dresses up outside of his hoodie, like literally he's dressed like an artist might, right? He's very polished, he looks so chic, and he gets out of there, and Nate is watching all of this with Ellen in the car. And they say, now's our time. We gotta break in. So Nate helps hack into the intercom system by like unplugging it and like doing some wiring changes. He's an engineer, whatever. I don't know what that means. And they get into John's place and they see how creepy it is. So Ellen, she goes in first and Nate says, well, I'm gonna wait by the car and I'll let you know if he starts heading back. Keep your phone on you. So she starts browsing through everything and she sees the angel. She sees these porcelain dolls and she starts putting two and two together. All of them have a little nameplate next to them. Let's say it's Katie. She's wearing glasses. She has a different type of hair. She sees one that says Celine, and she's got the brown bob with the hair that flares out at the near the face that frames the face. And she's wearing like a specific like bracelet. The whole thing is so creepy. And she sees this one box on a shelf that doesn't have a porcelain doll, doesn't have anything. It's just a, a pendant. It's Gwen's pendant, mm -hmm. and she's wearing the same exact one. They had matching pendants. And she's so pissed. Now, at that moment, freaking Nate gets called by the cops. He says, you need to move a block down. There's no parking zone right here. You got to, nope, I don't care. Your friend's coming. You got to move a block down. And Nate's like, freaking Nate, okay. He gets into the car. He's like, stupid cops. I got to move a block down. And in that same moment, John decides he's going to go back home. He had forgotten something. So they miss each other. John gets back into his apartment. Which, by the way, Ellen has no idea until she hears it, so she has nowhere to hide. She panics, and she hides under his desk, right? And uh, another knock on the door. Nate had realized he had parked his car, walked over there, and seen John go inside, so he's got to improv. Sir, I'm selling these <laughs> magazines for $15 for a yearly subscription. It's amazing. John tries to close the door. He sticks his foot in. He says, no, 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 sir. This is the best deal of the year that you will ever get. I know a lot of people are coming around selling these magazines. All oh, they talk your ear off. Oh, we hate salesmen, don't we? But this magazine comes with a free tote bag. A free tote bag for $15 a year. You don't know the value of this magazine, the information that you're going to get out of this magazine. Priceless, priceless. And it's only $15 right now if you, if you sign. Oh, shoot. Where's my pen? Do you have a pen? Can I come inside? Maybe we can uh, sign the papers together. You need this magazine in your life, sir. And John is so annoyed. He can't close the door. He decides... I, I'm leaving the house right now, so can you please get out of my way? And he pushes him out of the way, locks the door behind him, and leaves. So I guess he had forgotten something, picked it up, and uh, this guy's annoying him, so he's just leaving at that moment. Mm. This allows Ellen to escape, and she gets into the car, but she didn't have enough time to take that necklace. And she's telling Nate about it in the car, and she says, I feel like we need to go back and get that necklace. And he says, no. Besides, your body is not yours anymore. It's ours. And she realizes in that moment, she's going to die very soon. Mm -hmm. So she goes to Hannah's house and she um, asks if they can have a delicious dinner. Hannah cooks like a five course meal for them. And I mean, Hannah is bubbly, but she's not dumb. So she tells Ellen in the middle of dinner, you know, revenge isn't that sweet. It's 
it feels good leading up to it and you think it's gonna be amazing, but it's actually nothing. And it doesn't matter why you commit revenge, all killers go to hell. Doesn't matter. All killers go to hell and it's always gonna haunt you forever. And Ellen tells her, my husband couldn't even hurt a fly and he died. My daughter was 14 and she died. If there is a God and God let this man kill my family, then I will find God and kill him too. But Ellen, all killers go to hell. I know Hannah, but this is hell. And she takes off her necklace and she says, I want you to have this. It's my lucky charm. <laughs> my daughter made it for me. This is the only thing that made hell even a little bit bearable. Meanwhile, Nate feels really bad for what he said to Ellen in the car about how your body's not even yours anymore because we're about to kill you for your organs so that we can save us, right? So he decides that he's gonna go back into Jay's house and steal the necklace for her as like a goodbye present to her own life. I mean, he's touched by her story. So he calls Dave and Dave's like, yep, he's at this restaurant with all these art gallery people just being the talk of the town. So go, go into his house, right? So he starts doing his things. But what he didn't know is that John, last time he went home when Ellen was there, he felt like something was off. So he had turned on all of his security cameras and was watching them throughout dinner and he sees Nate break in. So he leaves, but right at that same time, Dave gets a call from his wife who's like, put her on the phone. And he's like, what are you talking about? And he's like, she's like, put the bitch on the phone. You're not even home anymore. You've been out every single night doing God knows what. I know you're with her. Who is she? Is she the girl from the boat? Put her on the phone. And he's like, babe, I'm not, no, that's not what I'm doing, babe. And they're arguing, so he doesn't realize that John has left the building. John has left the restaurant. So John gets back into his house, creeps up behind Nate, knocks him out, straps him to his little board, and he says, scout by day, robber at night. He says, sorry, I just wanted to, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't take anything. I just wanted this necklace because I have a daughter and I, I can't afford a birthday present. And John reaches into his pocket, pulls out his wallet, and shows him the picture of him and his wife and his son. And he also pulls out a piece of paper with an address written on there. So this shows that this is not a random robbery. This is like he planned it and he wanted the necklace of all things. So John grabs a chainsaw and he's about to kill him and says, any last words? And Nate screams, kill me or don't kill me. I don't care, but don't make a show out of it because you're nothing but a perv and he starts sawing him. And the next scene, you see uh, John feed Nate's severed body parts into a fireplace. And he takes Nate's phone, and he's going through his recent calls, and he finds Ellen. Now, he remembers Ellen's name because Ellen was part of the very high-profile case of literally who he killed. And it seems like this guy knows all of his victims. Like, he likes to keep souvenirs. He's a trophy killer, right? He likes to know these things. So he calls Ellen, and he just breathes into the phone. And she knows, and she gasps in horror because this guy found him before she could find him. And she's freaking out. He hangs up, and he rushes to the hospital. The hospital that Ellen was admitted to, and uh, he pretends to be a detective, and he starts flirting with the receptionist and says, hey, I'm a detective. I'm investigating the case of the family murders. I need, um, I need Ellen contact her last address because I need to ask her a couple questions and for some freaking reason they give it to him and he starts rushing over there we've got this intense scene of him driving in the car and walking to her apartment knocking on the door ringing the doorbell Ellen inside of her apartment when the doorbell rings and she opens it and it's Dave John is at Hannah's because remember all of her mail goes there that was her forwarding address oh my gosh and Hannah opens the door 
and she sees John, and she knows exactly who it is, and he sees the pendant around her neck, and he doesn't know what's going on. He kind of knows this is not Ellen, you know, uh-huh. but uh, he w- rushes in, holds a sculpting tool near her neck, and starts asking her questions. Who the hell are you? Do you know this family? And she tells him, you forgot about me already, you bastard. The wife of the man you killed and the mom of the daughter you killed? No. No, she's taking the fall for her? And she's about to die, but her phone rings. Ellen had put two and two together, and Ellen is screaming on the phone, Hannah, you have to get out of there. He's coming for you. Don't go home if you're not home. Hurry, get out of your house if you're home. And the next scene is Dave and Ellen pulling up to Hannah's place. There's emergency personnel everywhere, and she's wheeled out on a stretcher, clearly dead. So Ellen calls off the deal. She gathers everyone together, and she says, two people are dead. Nate's not picking up his phone. He was last there. He's dead. We've got Hannah, who's dead. I was foolish to drag more people into this. This is something I have to handle alone. I'm sorry. Mm. And she leaves, and the rest of them, they go back to their lives because they don't want to be killed next. But Dave sees his wife in worse condition, and she keeps, you know, kind of almost telling him goodbyes. She's treating him nicer, feeding him rice, and cooking for him, and trying to feed him all the time, and saying, when I'm gone, you have to remember to do this, and that, and this. Chris is visiting his daughter, and she's in worse condition. Jamie's mom, she just crawls into the hospital bed with her mom and just cries to sleep all night. And they decide at the same time that they're going to reunite as the Avengers and help Ellen. Help Ellen and make sure Ellen doesn't get killed so that they can kill her. So that they can take her organs. Woo! Avengers. Yes. Avengers. So it's like this really empowering moment. They rush into the car, slam the doors closed. Let's go fucking get Ellen. And then they're hit with that South Korea soul traffic. <laughs> and they're just sitting there. Uh. Well, we'll get there when we get there. Meanwhile, Ellen is at the crematorium visiting her family. I mean, you see their ashes. You see pictures of them. And uh, she's sitting there. And he comes up behind her. John puts the pendant around her neck like as you would put on a necklace for someone, and holds her hands so that she can't fight back. And um, he's, he says, ah, now I remember your husband and your kid, huh? Let's go, let's get out of here. And he starts wheeling her out of there and she says, where are we going? We'll get there soon enough. Let's go meet your family. And he drives her to the top of these very, very steep stairs. Um, and he's ready. He's ready to push her off because it would be very suspicious if she died too in a vicious murder, whereas maybe she had taken her life by throwing herself off a flight of stairs, right? Mm-hmm. That would make more sense. People would say, well, yes, because all these crazy crimes happened around her. Maybe she would take her own life. And he's ready to push her, but guess who shows up in his motorcycle? Dave. Dave shows up to the rescue and says, you put her the f- down or I'll whip you. And uh, John pushes her. Dave climbs up the steps, saves her from falling. She only tumbles down like three steps, put her back down, and he starts chasing this John guy. John gets into the car. They get into a motorcycle race. It all ends up in this high-speed chase where the motorcycle crashes. John's car crashes. They're both tumbling on the side of the highway. Freaking John is stabbing Dave. Thankfully, they weren't the biggest wounds in the world. Dave is punching John in the face. And eventually, John goes unconscious. Dave takes out his taser. I don't know why he doesn't tase the dude. 
he's like, oh, he's knocked out. So he puts the taser back, calls Ellen, and you can tell he's obviously injured. And he says, I got him. I'm bringing him to your place. He puts them onto the back of the car, drives John's car all the way to Ellen's place, puts him onto the stretcher, and doesn't restrain him. <sighs> and he turns around and calls Ellen to say he's here, but in that moment, he gets tased oh by God. John, and right. he ends up restrained and on the board. John uses this time to call Ellen, and you can just hear Dave screaming in the background as he's slicing his skin here and there, and uh, Dave is screaming, fucking just do it, you little coward, just kill me properly. And uh, he's in a lot of pain, okay? And Ellen says, okay, I'll be right there. But instead of going there, she has a better idea. She shows up at John's house, disables all the cameras, and she video calls him. And he's, he's waiting for her. He's not killing Dave until she gets there. Mm. She, he, wants, he wants Ellen to suffer. Watch all those deaths happen, right? And she gets there, video calls him, and it's her smashing all of his porcelain dolls onto the ground, one by one. You better get over here before it's too late. And he gets pissed off. He turns on the table so that Dave is slowly going towards the sauce and he gets into his car and drives off. Thankfully, Chris was hiding in the shadows waiting. So he rushes over, turns off the table, saves Dave. Oh yeah. And they're like, we gotta go, we gotta go get her. So when he gets home, he sees her holding another porcelain doll, smashing it onto the ground and he's just as angry. So what does he do? He says, sorry about your kid. I didn't mean it. That's sad. She must have died a virgin. Or did she? And she's pissed now, right? So it seems like he's trying to draw her out because he kind of hears footsteps and sees smashing but doesn't know exactly where she is. It looks like there's a lot of people in there, right? Or something. Mm -hmm. So he's confused. He wants her to come out and face him. And he starts walking over and he's like moving curtains. And every time he moves something, a trap is set off. One of them is a nail gun that puts a bunch of nails into his chest, but he's still alive. Dude never dies, okay? And then there's another one where there's a saw that gets suspended from the ceiling and it swings straight towards his face and he nearly misses it but it slices his shoulder a little bit mm. and he pretends to be knocked out and in that moment Jamie shows up and says got you you son of a bitch and she reaches over and she's about to tase him but he's not actually knocked out he Who's slices Jamie? her ankle the hacker the oh. young girl he oh. slices her ankle she falls down he starts kicking her in the stomach so of course that's when Ellen comes out because she doesn't want someone to die because of her and he rushes over to throw Ellen down and she's smashing more dolls he's like you have no idea what you've done and it ends up with her tied up on the table. Jamie's knocked out, she's tied up on the table and he says, don't worry, I'll purify you soon. And he grabs a saw and as he's about to cut into her, Dave punches him. He's arrived, okay? So they get into a little tussle, they get into a fight. Both men end up unconscious. Now what? Ellen ends up on the ground and she has no idea what to do. She's literally facing the angel. She's nowhere near her wheelchair. She props herself up against the wall, right? Mm -hmm. And Dave's knocked out. We don't know where the Fort Chris is. It seems like John's knocked out. But of course, out of all the people that comes up first, it's going to be John. So he gets up slowly and he starts walking towards her with the scalpel in his hand. And he's so excited. But for some reason, she's smiling. What? He's so confused. And he looks at her and she's looking at the angel that's doused in gasoline. You can see the gasoline almost, it's like, it looks like she's crying, the angel. She did that? Yes, before he came. Uh, and now she's holding up a lighter. Uh, the and same lighter? Throws oh, it my God, that's beautiful. at the angel and the whole thing bursts into flames and John is screaming, no, this is his life's work. 
He's screaming, no, no, what have you done? So at first he's sobbing, and then he goes to being angry. And he looks at her and he approaches her quickly and he's about to stab her, but because of the fire, the angel's wings disconnect from one of the walls. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know how like when it's fire, there's like real blood coming out of this angel, by the way. So he had used human blood in it. There's real blood coming out. Okay. And one of her knees had been snapped. So like her femur is showing and the angel falls straight onto him and literally impales him. And this is what kills him. He starts gurgling up blood. He almost dies instantly. He plops down next to Ellen and he's dead. And you can see at first a brief moment where she's so happy and she says, yes, die, you bastard. And then two seconds later, she's like, don't die yet. It's too soon because revenge is not that great. Maybe she had this envisionment where she was going to torture him for days straight, but that's just not how it works. And she's mad. She got nothing out of it. It's not like her family's coming back and he's already dead and she's screaming, don't die, don't die. And then Chris comes up and he's got a syringe. And Dave and Jamie wake up and Dave says, no, don't. That's not what we're doing anymore. We can't kill her. It doesn't matter. We can't kill her. Wow. And Chris says, you don't understand. It's for my daughter. You don't understand. Jamie wakes up and she shields Ellen with her own body. And she says, we can't do this, Chris. Just think. We cannot do this. Nothing is worth it. You think your daughter would be happy knowing that you traded a life for hers? No. And Chris says, no, no, it's my daughter. She doesn't have much time left. And she, he pushes Jamie aside and he looks at Ellen and says, I'm so sorry, Ellen, but you understand, right? And she says, I understand. I was a mother too. And he's about to surrender. Dave's trying to get up. Jamie's trying to get up to stop him. And in that last moment, he says, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he's about to back up, but Ellen grabs the syringe and sticks it into her own chest. Chris tries to stop her, but it's all too late. And her last words were, let's go, let's all go home. And then the end credits roll. And you see Jamie's mom cooking up a feast for Jamie. And she's happy. You see Dave and his wife starting a new chapter together and they're even planning on having children. And you see Chris and his daughter holding hands, taking a nice walk. And that's the story of the five. The human body has five vital organs. Maybe also that. What are the five organs? The five vital (laughs) organs be the heart, brain, kidney, liver, and lungs. Wow. That is the story of the five. What are your thoughts on this one? This one was good. I love it. It was really good. It wasn't your typical organ... Oregon, Oregon black market movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Do you think revenge is sweet? Leave it in the comments. Do you think revenge is worth it? I guess it depends, right? It depends on the situation. But yeah, even then, depends. I don't know. Would it be sweet? Let me know in the comments. Make sure to check out Grammarly and Intimina linked in the description. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.